testing, testing, podcast test. Testing, Megan, podcast testing. <laughs> Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another episode. Stupid episode. Emily is tired of telling the future. She's <laughs> like, being a witch is so hard. Um, We're doing this literally right after the last episode. Like 20 minutes. <laughs> so I forgot to tell you all how nice Emily looks today. Oh, She's in a d- cute dress. Cute. That's all warm colors. It matches with her ginger hair and her hair is down and gorgeous. Thank you. Listeners, you should just imagine that she looks great. Too bad she feels terrible. Hey, Emily, what happened to Halloran? He died. He's been dead the whole time. And it was Kaladin. And Kaladin killed him. I hate this. Which is why I slapped my hand over my mouth 20 episodes ago <laughs> when I was like, oh my gosh, because I forget sometimes. That's right. I forget. Like... And then I remember again, and it's so terrible. That Kaladin killed Shallan's big brother. Mm-hmm. And my cat brought a Jingle Bell toy down. I watched her carry it down in her <laughs> mouth so she could play with it. But do you know what? We're just going to leave it. <coughs> that's that's our podcast, Jingles and All. <laughs> Jingles and All. And also, um, remember how Kaladin trusted Dalinar said, Hey, Amaram did this horrible thing. What's Amaram's new job? He's in charge of all the radiance. He said the words. He said the words. He's wearing Gets a, a fancy costume. Gold cape. I hate everything about it. Thank you very much. And Why? Also, and also, wait, got a hug. Oh, wait, got a hug. That was the good part. All right, that's our whole episode. Thank you, everyone. Tune so in much. next time at Dragon Steel when we'll be recording live. <laughs> <laughs> We're reading the zoo, and Emily's like. Is it literally a white spine getting out of its cage? The one thing I said last episode that I don't want. It's just, they're just going to let a white spine out at the menagerie. Um, Hi everyone, my name is Megan and I should be cleaning the house. Hi everyone, my name is Emily and I gotta get packing. But instead. Instead. We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Oh my gosh, this week we are covering Words of Radiance, chapters 52, Into the Sky, chapter 53, Perfection, chapter 54, Veils, Lesson, and chapter 55, The Rules of the Game. (laughs) Emily, I know we touched on it a bit, but first brush, what are your thoughts on these chapters? Um, so I'm going to say this and I don't mean it flippantly, okay? I didn't go to art school, (laughs) but as I was reading chapter 52 into the sky, all I could think about was how beautifully cinematic this is going to be if it ever gets up on like the big screen, like as Kaladin's like soaring through the air and just like enjoying himself. I can see it clear as day. I'm hearing the how to train your dragon soundtrack (laughs) happening. So this, if Stormlight is adapted, this is going to be animated. It has to be. Even if it's a live action adaptation, <laughs> you, there are no actors who can do this. <laughs> so I look forward to the animated adaptation of this scene because even if they use live actors, they're going to have to use a digital double for this. And mm-hmm. I just, it could be so good if I could be. <laughs> <laughs> 
You guys, I'm such an amaram when it comes to the Stormlight <laughs> adaptation. I'm like, mm, yeah, there's other people who have like great talent and skill, but I would do it better than anyone else. I recognize that. But you know what? I'm right. <laughs> anyway, chapter 52, Into the Sky, give me that epigraph. All right, it says, Now as the truth watchers were esoteric in nature, their order being formed entirely of those who never spoke or wrote of what they did, in this lies frustration for those who would see their exceeding secrecy from the outside. They were not naturally inclined to explanation, and in the case of Corberon's disagreements, their silence was not a sign of an exceeding abundance of disdain, but rather an exceeding abundance of tact. From Words of Radiance, chapter 11, page 6. That feels a lot like, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. They're called truth watchers, and apparently not truth sharers. <laughs> Dang. I'm not calling you a truther. wonder what their spren are. Truth They spren. probably don't get along with cryptic spren. No. Maybe they are honor spren. No, they no, can't honor be honor spren. Or windrunners. windrunners. Sorry. Oh, watcher spren. Uh, watch a spread uh so kaladin is going for a walk and you guys you guys everyone listeners the shattered plains are so beautiful they're so beautiful both shallan talking about that one overhang that's just brimming with plant life and kaladin for this walk at night with like the green life spread buzzing about the puddles and the shale bark and the vines and it could be so colorful and beautiful. Or it could be like live action Aladdin. <laughs> Which is just, the whole movie is pink and gray. And it... Yeah, I know! <laughs> hey, Taco, what's up? Hey, buddy. Yeah? Mom, come save me for my little sister. Okay. So we get a brief, not a jump scare. I'm not done talking I'm about this. I've decided. Okay. I was, but then I wasn't. It's good to Listen, know. my greatest fear is that a Stormlight adaptation will just be brown and gray. And I don't want that. <laughs> I'm afraid of that. Like, no fear. Brown and gray color graded Stormlight. One fear. <laughs> There's just... There's so much beauty in the storm and in the setting, and I don't just... Listen, nothing has brought this on except for me looking at frames of House of the Dragon, which is beautiful. Looking at frames of House of the Dragon when the brightness on my screen is too low, and I'm like, I can't see anything. And I'm like, it's called the Storm Light Archives, please. Let there be light, and let there be color, and let there be storytelling cinematography choices not just gritty realism cinematography choices air quotes okay great i'm on board with that i agree with you i'm 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 like three pages in to a what i'm hoping will be 30 page essay <laughs> about the use of light and color in cinematography mm -hmm. um you guys have heard me go on and on about the properties of light I think we were even talking about it, talking about the color from the spheres, mm -hmm. that like <sighs> realism in lighting today is so informed by like what people think is realistic is like very basic film lighting mm -hmm. and not observed 
real life lighting principles. Okay. And I have so many thoughts and feelings. Great. So many thoughts and feelings. Put it in an essay. Okay. <laughs> Jenny, you're... Sorry, this is Jenny Nicholson, not Jenny, friend of the pod's wife, Jenny. <laughs> who is also a friend of the pod, but doesn't listen to us. <laughs> not like Ted. Thanks for listening, Ted. We appreciate <laughs> Thanks, you. But Ted. anyway... I watched Jenny Nicholson's uh, Evermore essay, and it's so well Twice. written. Twice. <laughs> it's so well structured as well, and I admire it. And it got me so excited to work on my lighting essay some more. So I wonder if she had a script, how many pages it is. Jenny. Write it. Write it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someday people are going to actually start writing into us. We've had a couple. We appreciate them, uh, especially the one that says we're too mean to Elagar and too nice to Moash. I disagree in book one, but um, now, now I think I am being too nice to Moash. But we'll we'll see if what remains of Elagar. All right. So Kaladin's going on a beautiful walk. This reminds me of. Uh, Robin Hood when he and Maid Marian are With walking the through and the fireflies are like mm-hmm. green. Um, yeah. But there's a there's a split second of a little <gasps> where he just steps off the edge of the chasm. Like it's it's a very short little paragraph and we immediately go into Shalon's point of view and so it's just like wait uh, oh he's practicing doing a little foreshadowing he's going to where he was talking with wit last and where he got the flute he's he's not at the plains by dalinar's war camp no he's by sadius's war camp Mm -hmm. this specific stretch of chasm that he knows better than anywhere else yep yep someone else's are also by walk yeah on a walk in sadius's camp who's it it's shallan in disguise as a young messenger boy and i love Brandon does a really good job of this because instead of Shallan just looking around and being like, this place feels sad and then just going on her way, there are like all of these paragraphs about like the wrinkled appearance of the people there and the slaves going around like mm-hmm. hunched over with the brands on their heads and the smell and it's it's just, you can tell it's dingy and it's dirty and the people don't take pride in their appearance or who they are or who they're fighting mm-hmm. for. Like morale is very low. And she talks specifically about the differences between Sabariel and Dalinar's camps, where Sabariel's is about industry and Dalinar's is about purpose, compared to this one. And the thing she says that made me so interested is, this is what she'd expected from all of the war camps. She'd read accounts of men at war, and it seemed to be all like this, Mm -hmm. and that Sabariel and Dalinar's camps are more the exception. Yeah. So remember when Kaladin first came into Sadius's camp, and he says, this is familiar. Yeah. This is what I expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shalon's been doing more trial and error on her talents. Uh, we found out if she draws a face for her to study, so the drawing yep. stays, but her ability to use it deteriorates the longer it's been since she's drawn it last. It has to be fresh in her mind. And as someone who hasn't drawn certain characters in forever and was trying to the other day i was like how could i forget to draw my own children like this (laughs) oh um she gets stopped at the perimeter of amaram's manor by his guards because they don't have a wall or a gate yeah and um uh there's new rules apparently about who can come and who can't and uh you know come to the war camps who can't and um it's it's kind of been known that like these are newer rules 
and not everybody knows them, mm. so they're going to give this little messenger boy some slack for not knowing them when their own soldiers don't even know the rules. I want to suggest a thing, like we've been doing with Roswell. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk through all of Shalon's story in this chapter, and then all of Kaladin's, cool. which I feel would flow better than us jumping back and forth when the chapter cuts back and okay, forth. Okay, let's do that. But you guys should know that this chapter is concurrent with Shalon and Kaladin are doing this on the same night, so it's cutting mm -hmm. back and forth to them. Yeah. Um. So, she comes to Amaram's house disguised as a boy. She has been watching the house and has prepared several specific disguises for tonight. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a maid that always leaves this night at the same time. Mm -hmm. And as a writing tool, I feel like it's a really great move. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have to read about Shalon just sitting there and making observations. We kind of get to skip all that and just get straight to the action of... Mm -hmm. I know this person comes in. I know this. I know exactly where this is because of the way the house is set up. Yeah. And so I think that's a great way to like move the plot along. How did she figure out the interior floor plan of the house? By looking at the closed windows. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's deduced where the kitchens are and what rooms are what based on what kind of windows and where they're positioned mm -hmm. in the house, which I think is so cool. And Shalon's heisting. We're doing a heist and she gets in and out undetected. So this was the thing is I'm reading this for the first time and I remember being like, something's going to go wrong. She's going to get caught. It's going to be awful. The thing that goes wrong happens after she's finished the mission. And mm -hmm. we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But she comes into the kitchen. Her disguise is perfect. Too perfect. The cook is like, oh, you're back so soon. Go do these other chores. Yeah. Yeah. I picture this like the Downton Abbey kitchen. <laughs> And Mrs. Patmore's in the corner reading a novel. <laughs> oh, Daisy, can't choose between the men, can you? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so, Shalon is like, oh my gosh, how do I, like, disobey this woman and do my mission without getting this girl in trouble? Because, like, if I interact with too many people, this girl won't be able, Telesh will find out her name is, Telesh won't be able to account for her time yeah and then amram will know that someone came impersonating his uh servant well things go from bad to worse shalon feels even though externally the plan's going fine yep. she's like this will lead to something bad when she runs into amram himself he's not supposed to be there he's not he's supposed to be at dinner mm -hmm. with the king and dalinar we find out what they're talking about at that dinner at the end of this reading. That's, oh, yes, we do. That's, yep. I hate it. <laughs> Me too! <laughs> Dalinar, what is wrong with you? Are we sure that someone else isn't imitating Amaram and there are two Amarams in the camp? Oh my gosh, the prestige! The prestige! <laughs> what about his brother? <laughs> but Amaram knows his servants and he knows their personal lives. Like, he's... Whoever Shalon has decided to imitate, she's like, oh, a low-born, dark eyes in the kitchen. And this, I think, is again Shalon being like, oh, nobody pays attention to the dark They're eyes. They're not important. Nobody pays attention to the servants. Because that's not how she was raised. That's not what she knows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Amram is like, I literally promised your father I would see you married well. And I know the the trials of your courtship. Amram seems like a great boss. Mm-hmm. He's just like, all you have to do is pick. It's your choice. You just literally have to mm -hmm. pick one. Well, Pattern undoes the lock. She gets into Amram's secret room. Uh, so she sends him 
out of the house. Right. So she tells him, oh, there's a messenger for you. And I'm like, Shalon, you were just worried about, like, people wondering who was going to be there. And ah. and so she sends him out on a, which I thought was a fool's errand, mm-hmm. to get him out of the house. Yeah. So that she can have Pattern unlock the door and go into this secret room that the ghost bloods are like, go figure out what it yeah. is. Hey, what is it? It's a room of maps. It's a room of maps. Not only that. But it's maps that Amaram has notated. Mm-hmm. And Shalon goes into, like, she's cracking the code he's using on the maps where he's using a set of glyphs phonetically, mm-hmm. like a new alphabet, even though men aren't allowed, allowed to learn how to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she starts taking memories, and she also starts sketching the maps. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and the thing is, some of this... Some of these notes are starting to look like Yasna's notes about the Parshendi, about the center. Um, hey, the last message we got from the scratching on the wall during the high storms was seek the center. Mm-hmm. And Amaram, whoever he's working for, we find a name. Mm-hmm. So, like when the ghost bloods are talking about it later, we find a name of someone Amaram's working with. Um, and Amaram is like, I have to get there before. The Alethi forces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she starts, like you said, starts copying it. She couldn't, she knows she can't botch this assignment. Like, she knows she she's still kind of, uh, like, this is her test run with the ghost bloods. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, on her way out, she is like, <laughs> she undoes the problems that she made coming in, which was so cool. So yeah. who does she disguise herself as? Bright Lord Amaram. Yeah. And tells the cook, like, I think this is. What? How does she imitate Amaram's voice? Old Pattern does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to cause more problems than not. Because basically she orders the cook never to speak of seeing the maid servant and if she were to you know if 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 the cook speaks out to bright lord amaram about the girl's supposed disobedience you know amaram will pretend he has no knowledge of this conversation <laughs> like she's and the cook's like uh, 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 and like to me that's like something illicit had been going on and he's covering it up like I, i'm wondering if this is going to come back later mm-hmm. but i they can't they can't trace it back to Shalon, so yep. she's okay. Yep. Um, but then she uh, goes back, and this surprised me so much. Yeah. She actually has a message for Bright Lord Amaram from Shalon Devar. So she redisguises herself back as the boy, and uh, the excuse is Shalon wants to come meet Amaram to do the sketch of his storm shard and storm plate and storm blade. Shard blade. So amazing. You did it. Thank you. So when she comes to the training grounds and makes a big show of announcing, I'm writing, I'm drawing everyone's shard blades. Mm-hmm. I think that was her laying the foundation for this plan to get to Amaran. Okay. I like that. And so you thought she was going to use Adolin and Dalinar and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but what did you think of this plan? I thought it was a great plan. Like, it's a great I plan. I love stuff like that where you're like, okay, we have the whole story. And then... You know, I'm talking about, like, Ocean's Eleven, like, The Thief by Megan Whalen-Turner. Like, like there's just one extra surprise, you know? And 
Shalon is doing a good job here. Yep, she gets in. She gets all the information she needs. She gets back out. She gives her message to Amaram. There's nothing suspicious. And Amaram is, summons his new shard blade. And Shalon recognizes it. Mm-hmm. How? Because it was her brother's. So, there's literally no way you could have remembered this. But they give this description of this blade of this blade. In the first book, yes. when Kaladin takes when Kaladin, him out, yeah, that's the exact same description when Helleran shows the blade. Aww. So if you had, you had no reason to again. If you had remembered the exact description of the blade from book one, you, you would have known. recognized it. But yeah, I this floored me on first reading, and it's just this. This is some really great dramatic irony when the audience knows stuff the characters don't because now Shalon thinks Amaram killed her brother mm-hmm. which is like great because we hate Amaram Kaladin killed her brother but if well because here okay here's me being ridiculous if Shalon starts to put in motion a way to take down Amaram in revenge for her brother although I don't feel that that is something she would do I feel like not that she's emotionally mature enough to like let it go but just understanding, like, he made his own decision sort of a thing. But if Shallan were to set something up to take down Amaram, I think Kaladin would be super mad about it, that he didn't get to do it. And the Ghostbloods did say Amaram's life belongs to someone else. Mm-hmm. Who sent Helleran after Amaram? I don't know, because the last we heard, <sighs> Helleran was in Alethkar. Yes, but that's where Kaladin. Yes, I know. I'm okay. I'm thinking this through, um, but I don't. We don't know who. Do we know who Amram was fighting? Uh, was it just a skirmish, like a border skirmish? It was a border skirmish. Helleran shows up at that border skirmish. Amram believes that Helleran has been sent by the Ghost Bloods. Mm, okay, and uh, we have got the first two. Secret societies confirmed. Okay. Ghostbloods are one. Ghostbloods are one. <laughs> now, Amaram is part of a secret society, and I don't think they've given us the name of that society yet. I don't yet. think they have yet either. I know what it is. Meh, 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 meh. <laughs> anyway, there's one more secret society in this book, but we haven't hung out with them a bunch yet, so. Um... So, uh, I mean, she recognizes the blade, but Uh she's smart enough not to, like, jump into things, you know, just by making assumptions. And so she says, um, oh, I'm doing a lot of studies and, you know, or Brightness Shalon wants to do these studies and she's going to be tracing the heritage of these blades. I don't think she has yours. Do you know where it came from? And... Oh, he exp- Okay, listen. This is where I would not feel bad because Amram's taking uh he is taking credit for something he did not do here. But yeah. he says, um I've explained this to Dalinar already. I don't know the history of my shards. Both were in possession of an assassin who tried to kill me, a younger man, Vedin, with red hair. We don't know his name and his face was ruined in my counter attack. I had to stab him through his faceplate, you see. And so, like, this man is very casually describing the murder of her beloved older brother. And there's nothing she can do about it. 
Halloran is not part of the ghost bloods. Oh. Shallan's father was allied with the ghost bloods. Mm -hmm. Halloran is part of something else. Okay, okay. But the, that is all of the Shallan's Shallan in story in this chapter. Let's talk about Kaladin. <sighs> Everything is beautiful. Well, not beautiful. Not Okay, let me try that again. He's practicing, and he is so upset that he can't do it perfectly immediately the first time. It's training montage time. Yeah, until Syl is just, because he's like, I have to be as good as the assassin. I have to stop the assassin. Ah, and Syl's like, well, I'm sure that the assassin was good at it the very first time. So, you know, making fun of him. And, and mm -hmm. Kaladin realizes, he's he doesn't say this, but he's going to have to do what Renarin was doing, like, jump off a high place multiple times until he's used to this and he can he has confidence in his new abilities and so he starts by doing like basic moves yes dear time to talk about visuals all right the stormlight rising from his exposed skin was enough to illuminate the chasm and it cast shadows on the walls as he ran those seemed to become figures crafted by the bones and branches stretching from the heaps on the ground bodies and souls his movement made the shadows twist as if turning to regard him i want to animate these books so bad just do an animatic <laughs> you are laughing but as i was reading through this i was like i could storyboard just this there's other there's other roads i must walk down first but <laughs> But Kaladin gets it. Like, it clicks yeah. for him. And it, I don't know if, I didn't really get, like, oh, this is the same feeling he gets when he holds a spear or whatever. But he gets it. And he's able to do crazy things, like, fall upwards straight into the sky. Mm -hmm. Sort of a thing. Like, he's able to learn how to push and pull and stop himself and flip, you know, quote, unquote, flip the direction of gravity. Like, he gets it. And yeah. it's that moment of, like, like when um, Dash in The Incredibles figures Dash out he can run. like, yeah, like run on water and he just like starts <laughs> laughing. Yeah. yeah. Just this moment of like pure joy of like, ha ha ha. And it's so good. And he's, he's talking with Syl and she's like, nice. Callan's like, it's unnatural. No, I could never be involved in anything unnatural. It's just extra natural. <laughs> Do you mean supernatural? No, I don't. And internally I'm like, you mean preternatural. <laughs> Um, I love this though. Um, oh, this part as he's, he, he's going through the chasms. That's where he's practicing. And then he falls up into the air uh -huh. and then changes the direction. So he's falling. So it looks like he's flying across the plains, but to him yeah. it's falling and he is it's falling with style. <laughs> he's attracting wind sprints. So he's getting like this. These bursts of like silvery windsprint that are like coming and like still is zipping to the left and the right. And how long had it been since he felt this good, this triumphant, this alive? Not since before Tian's death. Even after saving Bridgeford, darkness had overshadowed him. So when he sees a spire and he's able to slow down and like he stops, like there's an explosion of spren that just like shoot up into the air like fireworks. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. This has to be animated. 
I do not want live action. No, that's not true. I would like live action Stormlight. I could love a live action Mistborn. <laughs> Which, you know, okay, fine. Gadriel has a few fantastical creatures, which you could do really good prosthetics for. Mm -hmm. And you could also have CG actors mm -hmm. standing in. It's it's like the typical thing where it's it's like 80-20 live action and then um, digital artists filling in the costumes, the settings, the creatures. And, you know, we're going to have a, probably a combination of wire work um, and then CG doubles doing the the flying around like you would with an Avengers movie, you yeah, know, like yeah. a combo of green screen work on wire stunt work, all that sort of stuff. And so I, I could love a, I could love a live action Mistborn. <laughs> like I could love Kaladin. <laughs> and I could love a live action Stormlight. But I, I want, you guys are so sick of me saying this. I want a beautifully colorful Roshar. A way that Skadriel is like definitely not. And I want there to be a lot of visual difference between the Mistborn adaptation and the Stormlight adaptation. Because Skadriel is about the red sun in the sky and the ash on the ground and a world of grays and blacks and reds. And then I want that to contrast with Roshar with like the Spren are literally all different colors and the spheres give off rainbow light. And if someone who is a snob about using color in their storytelling, is in charge of Stormlight, I personally will be sad. And then I'll make it my life's work to hand storyboard the entirety <laughs> of the Stormlight Archive. I'll lock myself in a room and just only do that forever. Uh, I am live action. But you could be animated! <laughs> I am live action. But yeah, most of it's going to be... 80-20 live-action animation anyway. Mm -hmm. oh, so Kaladin finds another way, which I found was very similar to the the thing Navani was trying to test out with the raising of the, like, the, platforms. the platforms. But he's able to hold himself up in the sky and like go up and up and up and like look over the entirety of the war camp. Um, yeah, because if he has multiple lashings going on multiple directions, it stabilizes him. Yeah. And then he looks down at the shattered planes. Emily, the planes are shattered in a pattern. Mm-hmm. Ah! I want you to think back to cymatics with capsule. Yes. The sand. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of their cities are based off of natural rock formations broken into a thing. And we know that these planes used to be something before they were the Shattered Planes. They mm -hmm. used to be old Nakhnaten, I think, and okay. Tanaton. So, Emily, what sort of event? And, like, the Shattered Planes are miles and miles and miles. I mean, if you look at the map, they stretch just huge, huge distances. What on earth? On Roshar. Have, what on Roshar could have? shattered something this huge i'm gonna say i'm gonna cheat and i have two options one an earthquake just like a like a almost an earthquake to end all earthquakes sort of a thing with the with the vibration that was enough to mm -hmm. to break it into its very specific pattern or two there was some sort of note that was held or noise or something that 
Lord. You know, that, that resonated and, and the land responded to it in some huge, maybe during like one of the, the battle 5,000 years ago where, you know, it was like the battle to end all battles or the desolation to end all desolations. I've been trying to get you to do this for a while now, Sil said. It's like when I first picked up a spear, Kaladin whispered. I was just a child. Were you with me back then? All that time ago? No, Sil said. And yes. It can't be both. It can't. It, I knew I needed to find you. And the winds knew you. They led me to you. He's a wind runner. And so Kaladin talks about what's the difference between practice and skill. Mm-hmm. And... Anyone with practice can develop skill, and some people just have do also have predilections to natural this. skill. Yeah, um, my natural skills are for storytelling. Mm-hmm. My natural skills are not for art. I've had to work so hard to be a good artist, mm-hmm. <sighs> but I'm really good at storytelling, and I'm like, I want to storytell with art. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's a bit about me. Nice. Um. Hold on. Can I talk about oh, Zeth? Yes, yes, yes. So so he's on the forefront of Kaladin's mind is how to defeat the assassin in white because he's been tasked with to keep Dalinar safe mm-hmm. and this is going to be like an impossible situation for him to keep, you know, Dalinar safe if he can't do what Zeth can do. And so you don't think he has a spread, Kaladin said, but how does he do what he does? And Syl tells him it's the blade that he has, the weapon. Yeah. And Kaladin's just like, okay, so if I need to beat him, like, he he doesn't want to broach this mm-hmm. because he knows Syl feels so strongly about it, but he's just like, Syl, I can't fight him without a shard blade. Like, I can't do it. And he's like, I've avoided it so far, but, like, Syl, what are we going to do? You know, because she's like, they're evil. I don't... Okay, so here here's the part where we're getting into, like, the lore of everything. Because she says they're evil... Kaladin's like, it's because they're the the oaths of the broken knights. Where did they come from in the first place? How were they forged? Can a new one be forged? One that doesn't bear the stain of broken promises. And she says, yes. And he says, how? And she doesn't know. Either she doesn't know or she doesn't tell him. And so Megan had me read Warbreaker. And we find out in Warbreaker that Nightblood was an attempt to make a shard blade. Well, we find that out outside of Warbreaker. Okay, we have found it outside of Warbreaker. Megan told me. Um, and so people have attempted it, but it doesn't seem like it went very well. Yeah, so I want to talk a bit about how Zeth's sword is different. Okay. And remember back in the prologue. That one I do remember. Um, the second prologue, Yasna's prologue. Where they're like, he carries my lord's own blade. Mm-hmm. That it is the sword that gives Zeth powers. He's not a windrunner. The sword is giving him windrunner powers. Oh. And he apparently needs to consume way more light than Kaladin does in order to do it. That's something Zil, Zil, something Zil <laughs> mentions earlier. So, Kaladin doesn't need a shard blade to do windrunning. Mm-hmm. But he does need a shard blade to fight Zeth. Um, I mean, can whoever owns the shard blade solve a lot of problems? Or you just call it back. But it seems like Zeth can call it himself. Zeth is bonded to that. Thing. Okay. 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 Yep. 
Um, now she's like, shard blades are evil because they are, and then Kaladin says, because they're symbols of the knight's broken oath. Mm-hmm. Is that why they're evil? I don't think so. I think there's something else going on. I think they're corrupted. Okay. That's what I think. Um, yeah. But we've got good people who use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see, I don't know, again, if this is an all-or-nothing thing. Like, I feel like Pattern, if if it was something like that, could see the differences, if that makes sense. I know I'm not explaining that very well, but, like, Sill is black and white. Uh-huh. Pattern is gray. Like, yeah. he can, he can, he could see a way around it. Well, yeah, so Sill's about honor. Mm-hmm. That's her whole thing. Pattern's about truth and lies. So Sill is about right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And patterns about truth and lies. And truth and lies are different from right and wrong. Because remember, Shalon lied to Yushu. Mm-hmm. But it was emotionally the right thing. Her brother? Um, yes. yes. Yeah, it was emotionally the right thing to do. Where she lied and said, it was our other brothers who saved you. Yeah. And that lie brought people together, even though it was, was a, a lie. lie. So, does Pattern feel the same way about shard blades that Syl does? Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. It's there, yeah. What dishonored all the shard blades? But he's seen Shalon with hers and didn't say anything about it. He didn't say anything about it. Yeah. They didn't they didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. Or maybe they did and Shalon just <laughs> Shalon just didn't out. tell us. Listen, you're mad at Brandon about secret <laughs> lives. You should be mad at Shalon about secret lies. <laughs> um, but hey, hey, I love me a good visual metaphor. Kaladin's up in the sky with Syl, and he can see as far as the world can stretch, and they're talking about honor and blades and my history, my talents. He goes down into the chasms. The light goes out. It's dark. He's walking back. He feels sluggish. And they talk about Moash Mm. in the darkness. And Syl's like, why haven't you told Dalinar? He didn't listen when I told him about Amaram. No, he did not! This is obviously different, Sil said. <laughs> so, ugh. And then he says, I don't want Moash to get caught up in the storm when we bring them down. Yeah. He's still trying to save his friend, who I feel betrayed him first. Rafo, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you love betrayal. I you do. You told love me this betrayal. all the time. I do. As he's down and literally down in the darkness, he's thinking about how the weeping is coming. And, and how Tian's down there to cheer him up. And so we've got two mentions of Tian in this chapter mm-hmm. that when he's flying, he hasn't felt this way since before he lost Tian. And mm-hmm. now the loss of Tian is going to hit him even harder. Yeah. And then Sil's like, why are you walking this way? Where's he going? He's going to Sadius's camp, which at first I was like, oh, it's just muscle memory. But no, he's just like, you know what I could do? I could just go in and kill him right now. They would blame the assassin on White. It wouldn't be on me. And uh, it's justice, Syl. He said, you tell me I need to protect. If I kill him, that's what I'm doing, protecting people. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I don't like how you get when you think about him, you stop being you. You stop thinking. Please. He killed Tien, Kaladin said. I will end him. But tonight, Sil asked, after what you just discovered, after what you just did? 
yeah, she kind of uses this great logic on him of just like, you just had literally the best day of your life. And even though killing Sadius would be Amaram. so, Amaram would be so satisfying. It will, <laughs> which would surely be a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, um, he's like, yeah, he'd felt true joy for the first time in what seemed ages. And so he's like, okay, not tonight. Somebody is waiting for him in his tent. It's Shen. We find out Shen's real name. It's Relaine. Relaine. And and like Kaladin wishes him well. Like he doesn't try and stop him. He's like, you're free. And I'm just like, ah, this is the mass exodus. Like, oh no. (laughs) (sighs) You are a good man, Captain. I have learned much. My name is not Shen. It is Relaine. May the winds treat you well, Relaine. The winds are not what I fear. He patted Kaladin's shoulder, then took a deep breath as if anticipating something difficult and stepped from the chamber. <laughs> oh, also, um, he leaves Kaladin's spear beside the fire. He's yeah. leaving Bridge Fort. Mm-hmm. So we gained a prince, but we lost our parchment. I am so afraid that there is going to be, like, in Prince of Egypt, Moses, you know, a... Uh, the plague song where like the Thus saith the Lord I send a pestilence and plague into I send an adverse storm again upon your plains, upon your men. It changes all the you know, what we know and now we've lost our friend Relaine. I send the shards, I send the storms, thus saith Bright Lord <laughs> Just kidding. Uh when we get to the end of the book, I promise. And if I forget, listeners, write in. <laughs> I will rewrite the plague song to be Prince of uh, Way of Kings theme. I'm just afraid that yeah, like because it's exactly what Yasna and Shalon feared of just like these people are everywhere, taking care of us, taking care of our kids, like doing our very bit. They're everywhere, and I'm just afraid there's going to be like a. I don't want Relaine to be a void bringer. I don't want that either. I don't know how much I believe that they are void bringers. But I mean, possession I seems real bad. Real bad. I almost wonder if it's the actual radiance who are the void bringers. Talk more. Um, I feel like with a there's a pattern, you know, they're like, we have the desolations and then we have all of these things and then it leads to another desolation, but it seems like the Sounds common like the pride cycle. Yeah, it seems like the common theme are these radiants that are there. Even though they're there afterwards to like help teach them like we'll teach you how to work bronze and we'll teach you how to do this. I almost feel like it's the radiants that trigger something to start either the desolation or to start something. One of the things in Amaram's map room that that Shalon points out, one of the things that he wrote is let my people go. Let my bridge Let my bridge. Oh man, that is. Why can't I get the right? Let my. I'm singing it in major and I can't sing it in the right key. That's weird. <laughs> okay. Parshendi must know how to return the void bringers. Amram is seeking to return the void bringers on purpose. Mm hmm. He's also in charge of the Radiance. Hmm, hmm, hmm. 
Well, now he is. Well, okay, okay. So you're like, I feel like they're connected to the desolations. They literally are because the heralds are connected to the desolations. Yeah. And the heralds train radiance of their ten different orders. Okay. But I want to talk about the word Voidbringer. And I want to... This isn't, like, true to the book, okay? Okay. But the void is like emptiness. It's like nothingness. It's like all this sort of stuff. And they're not void beings. They're void bringers. And I'm thinking about the connection between Esh and I taking in this horrible spren and bringing something new and sinister because she brought the spren onto this plane. Mm -hmm. The shattered plane. Anyway, <laughs> thinking. But uh, you think the Radiance are the Voidbringers. Put it in your notebook, All right. witch. All right. All right. Uh, give me the epigraph for perfection. Chapter 53, Perfection. As to the other orders that were inferior in this visiting of the far realm of Spren, the else callers were prodigiously benevolent, allowing others as auxiliary to their visits and interactions, though they never though they did never relinquish their place as prime liaisons with the great ones of the spren and the light weavers and will shapers both also had an affinity to the same though neither were the true masters of that realm from words of radiance chapter six page two yasna was an else caller okay um and so back during the heights of the radiance time else callers could bring other people into shades more with them um, to oh. visits and interactions. Um, but Lightweavers, Shallan, have been able to also enter Shadesmar okay. and Will Shapers, though we don't know much about Will Shapers yet. Okay. But we get into... It's time to... <laughs> uh, I got very... Uh, what's, the, what's the... A Knight's Tale. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I got very Knight's Tale vibes from this. Because he is... This is the third duel Adolin has had, mm -hmm. and he's doing something completely different this time. Right. Like, no one can tell what's going on. And, like, his first duel was over in a matter of minutes. This one goes on for almost an hour. And his, uh, not theory, his, Plan. his attempt. Theory. Yeah, tactic. Yeah, his tactic is to, he has hit the shard plate so many times in so many places that it's continuously been leaking stormlight. And it gets to the point that all the stormlight runs out of his opponent's plate. He becomes too heavy and the dude falls over and can't get back up. And that is how Adolin wins, wins the, the duel. duel. And does he win shards? He Yeah, he wins that suit of shard plate. Mm -hmm. And the crowd is furious. Like they had come for something very specific and this was not it. So Adolin is three for three. The crowd hates his fights. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if he's going to pull off the Yenev thing, he's going to have to do a fancier fight than this. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I, I loved this because I'm just like, I felt so bad for Adolin because I don't think this is how he envisioned it going, but this is the only way that he can go forward. And so um, when he goes back... Backstage. Backstage. He's got Navani who's looking over him, making sure he's not injured. Renarin is there to be like, oh, this is great, you know? And, um, and then... What is it that tempts people to do a Renarin voice? <laughs> what did I say? I... Oh, this is great! No, there wasn't a voice. It's not like, oh, Evelyn, you did such a good job! 
I think for Narn. Yes, cousin, you did wonderful. Elkar's <laughs> not there. And there's a there's a knock, and he's expecting. He's expecting the Rusar. yeah the the cousin of the guy who was uh, defeated, who is Relis. who's the overall you know dude. Yeah. And it's Shalon who comes in to be like, you were wonderful, that was incredible. And he's just like, oh, I didn't see you, like, when it started. And, and she tells him, I was, I went to burn a prayer, and I wasn't there, but, oh, I caught the, I caught it, like, I saw you. And she just goes on about, like, how wonderful it was. And I just thought it was so cute. Anyway, they're like, what are we to each other? Because we've only been dating a week, but we're already engaged. Like, mm-hmm. how do we feel about this? But, yeah. um... Navani excuses herself and and doesn't like respond really to people talking to her, and Adolin's just like, okay, you just you really do have to give her time. I'm I'm working on it. I promise. I've been so Delinar's not a point of view character in this sequence Mm -hmm. in this second section, and I've been missing Delinar and Navani here. We're only seeing periphery of them, and they're bat. decisions (laughs) sorry that's about Dalinar but like oh my gosh I'll talk to Amram about it I'll investigate this and he just puts him in charge of the Knights Radiant (gasps) but anyway um Shallan has figured out what to do uh she has a plan um but she's gonna explain it tomorrow at dinner cause guess who comes in now? In a huff. Relis is a real bad. And he's like, it's an insult. The duel was, you know, that wasn't a real duel. Mm-hmm. But he also has, what's her name? The the judge, Isto, who's just like, listen, I he didn't break any rules. Like, it was a legit duel. <laughs> Isto and I- is not happy with Adel. Because no. she was the one who, like, his first duel, she's like, it requires three pieces to be broken. And he just, like, picks up one and crushes it. He's like, how about now? So, how about now, Benson? <laughs> but Isto and Relis are both really mad. And so this is what this is what Adolin's been hoping for. Oh, I'm so glad it worked. Because it almost, like, I think it only worked because of the people involved. I don't think it would have worked on yeah. everyone. So, you know, it worked. Good. He is just like, why don't you find me yourself? Kind of the same conversation they've been having and the guy's like, no, I've already told you. And finally, Adolin's like, fine. If you're too afraid to do it alone, I'll do it two on one. Yeah. He, he, and he, he says, I'll fight you and whomever you bring together. And he, he gives up. He's like all six things that he has, all their shard blades, shard plate, everything. Because as Shalana just mentioned, you need to do something spectacular at a mm-hmm. duel for this plan to work. And they turn to the judge. And he's like, you witnessed this? And the judge is like you know what you're agreeing to? And Adolin's like, oh, yeah, I can defeat two at once, no problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all right. Now, listeners, <laughs> listeners, Emily did something amazing. We get to the end of this chapter, and Shalon says, what do you know of High Prince Yenev? And Emily looks up at me and goes, Yenev, didn't Sadius kill him in a duel? And I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> Wowee. I pay attention. Anyway, oh, look, uh, very next page, we have some animation drawn by Shalon. <laughs> She's got walk cycles of her and Vale. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I love about this is, one, it's actual animation. Oh, yeah, there's a little, there's a little Kremlin. Um, a Lady's Pace by Brightness 
axe face. A proper foreign lady walks with her safe hand, covered by her free hand, both held before her. She steps with poise and deliberation. Head up, back straight, feet level with the floor. She does not sway her arms or raise her toes like a common dark eyes at a farm dance. She does not slouch. And so through this walk cycle that, um, shout out to Ben McSweeney has drawn, we see... The Shalon character is stepping with the ball of her foot first. She's it's not exactly tiptoeing, but it's it's um, emphasizing the pad of your foot to do your steps to be quiet. And if you notice the shoulders and the head remain pretty constant across all six of these drawings. Yeah. Well below we have Vale, who's literally doing all of the opposites of Shalon. Vale is letting her arms swing back and forth separately. She's pointing her toes up, so she's landing with her heel first. And you see the difference of the the slouch. So when when her foot's planted... You guys, I've drawn so many walk cycles <laughs> as an animator. When the foot's planted, that's the tallest part of the cycle. Well, okay. When the foot first plants, that's the lowest part of the cycle. And then when you push off that foot to propel yourself to the next step, then you're standing up straighter and taller than you again and so she's, she's method acting yeah she's not only drawing what veil vale looks like but she's learning about veil's attitudes and how she moves and stuff i like i like this page so technically look there's my added animated stormlight right there <laughs> all right veil's lesson emily chapter 54 veil's lesson there there came also 16 of the order of wind runners and with them a considerable number of squires. And finding in that place the skybreakers dividing the innocent from the guilty, there ensued a great debate. From Words of Radiance, chapter 28, page 3. What's a squire? I'm wondering if it's someone who has not the full abilities, but the but like lesser abilities, but like they, they assist... Mm-hmm. The Windrunners. And so that's why I'm wondering if... Eh, I don't know what I'm wondering. <laughs> All right. Uh, so in our world, a squire is a knight's assistant. Yeah. Right? And you get apprenticed to a knight and you learn knightshiphood. And you get apprenticed to a knight and you learn knightshiphood from them and stuff. So, Emily, I think that's a, I think that's a great guess. Uh... Windrunners and their squires arrive at some place, and there are skybreakers dividing innocent from the guilty. Which sounds like there's going to be like a mass ex- execution going on. So we've got, uh, so the skybreakers, the head of their order is the Herald Nail, mm-hmm. uh, Nalan, who's real into justice. Mm-hmm. So, but then the Windrunners. Um, they're headed up by Yezrian, who's the king of the heralds, and they're about honor. So, what are some of the differences between absolute justice and judging with honor? Um, I think intent uh-huh. is is a big one. Like, I mean, going back to the the shoemaker who made shoes for sick kids, you know, some weirdo with us. With a shard blade showed up and killed him for justice. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that was justice. Hey, if that never mind. Okay. So, um, but Shalon is disguised as Vale, and I I love this because 
I feel like she is cosplaying her own individual D&D character. <laughs> original character. The original not character. Steal. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love that it fits on her like a second skin. Like it's not something she has to work terribly hard at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she still has to be aware of like dark eyes versus light eyes, like the social niceties and stuff. Yeah. But I like that it's not so difficult for her. She does mention Vale feels more authentically Shallan mm-hmm. than Shallan does. Yeah. Uh, but the ghost bloods have set up a little uh, pavilion somewhere. And uh, in a small valley in the hillside full of clefts and ridges. And every single one has been turned into an explosion of life. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Colorful. Wonderful. I'm so worried about the adapt. Not worried. I'm more like I want the adaptations to be good so bad that it will like emotionally undo me if they're poor. <laughs> no pressure. That's so dramatic. I just won't watch them. That's it. That's like I, I'm like my world will end. I just won't watch them. Is the thing. Um. So, uh, Shalon is going to talk to the ghost bloods. And she's like, oh, the woman with the mask isn't here. But the woman with the mask shows up later. Shalon does not see her. Yeah, she definitely is there. What is she, uh, what is she meeting with the ghost bloods about? Uh, with what she found in Amaram's study. And here, I really liked this because she accidentally reveals a lot of things about herself to them. Like, she kind of waxes eloquently on about, you know, some question they ask, and they're like, oh, Tin picked a scholar. Um, you know, and, and they're, um, she reveals to them that, here, this is what was in the study, where she has done pictures, but she's realized, like, I can't let them know that I can draw everything, and so for some of the, some of the, the print, the font, she had just drawn squiggles to be yeah. like, oh, you know, a normal person couldn't do this, you know. Um, she does, Marais tries to engage her in conversation when she first arrives about the Parshendi blowgun that he has. Yeah. And she gives some theories as to, like, what it was used yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is like, oh, it's very interesting that you're a scholar. And she's realizing she's giving away so much about yeah. herself. But, uh, Marais realizes that this is all Shalon's talent. This is all Shalon's doing. Mm-hmm. And he guesses she killed Tin. Yeah, yeah, and she, she didn't mean to let that slip because so far all that's been keeping her alive is she could lead them to Tin mm-hmm. because they want to see Tin. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so they test her skill by making her draw someone in the in the group, and so she draws not just the guy, but the scenery around him, including a boulder, which comes back later. <laughs> like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. Yep. Um, but uh, turns out they had people watching Amaram's house. Oh, that's right. Oh, this was so smart. They could have, I have no doubt the ghost bloods could have got into Amaram's study. Mm-hmm. They did this as a test for Tin and yeah. now Shalon. She was able to fool the ghost bloods. None of them saw her. Yeah, yeah. And so she she leaves, but, like, I mean, that was a really intense meeting. She just needs some time to, like, kind of center herself. And so she makes sure Pat knows, checks that no one's following her. And she 
uses light weaving to create a boulder shaped space boulder that she can crawl into and like basically hide so shallan's talking a big game here mm -hmm. about how like oh it felt undignified the other people marie's worked with probably didn't do silly little things like this I think this is, again, her fear when she left the ocean, how it hit her after that. Mm -hmm. This is Shallan. Now, this isn't, ex this isn't stated in the text, but I feel this is Shallan curled up in a ball, terrified after what just happened with the ghost bloods. Mm -hmm. Because we find out later, she was here for hours. She was curled up in a ball, not moving, on the ground. Hours and hours went by. And I think she just curled up in here and disassociated. Mm -hmm. um, and so while she's in here, we get a line of dialogue from Marais that she overhears. We will need to find out how much he knows. You will bring these pages to Master Thyatikar. We are close, but so, it appears, are Restaris' cronies. And so I was like, oh, is that another Bright Lord? And Meg's like, not quite. So these names are both mentioned by Gavilar as he lays dying. Yeah, was it this person? Was it Sadius? Was it, was it? Yeah, was it Sadius, Thyatikar, or Rastaris? Mm -hmm. So, Thyatikar is the leader of the Ghostbloods. Oh. Marais is not king of all Ghostbloods. Okay. Marais is very highly ranked, but Thyatikar is the, the top of the Ghostblood food chain. Okay. And then Rastaris... Uh, is the top of the society of which Amaram is a part. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Ugh. And they both want, they both want the same thing. It says, we are close, but so are Rastaris' cronies. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're trying to find Urethiru or... Trying to warn the Parshendi of an, you know, an oncoming attack sort of a thing. So the, Yeah. It says the Parshendi know the secret to the return of the Voidbringers. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure that out. Yep. Yep. Right. And so, because Shalon had, had taken a, a carriage or a palanquin or something. And so, she had sent Pattern on with a message uh, she to have him, like, say inside the carriage, like, I'm in the carriage. Please go forward. We'll stop at this point. I'll get out. Don't look. Wait. I want to talk about one more paragraph. From, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so somebody asks Marais a question. Shalon couldn't make it out. No, I'm not worried about that one. The old fool sows chaos, but does not reach for the power offered by opportunity. He hides in his insignificant city, listening to its songs, thinking he plays in world events. He has no idea. His is not the position of the hunter. This creature in Tukar, however, is different. I'm not convinced he is human. If he is, he's certainly not of the local species. I think he's talking about Teravangian at the beginning, listening to song City of Bells. See, I do have a good imagination. I do. <laughs> I, yep. But I, I don't know what creature they're talking about. Okay, so uh, I agree with you on Teravangian. Mm -hmm. We haven't met this creature into car so okay. but flag that for later okay so yeah um i think marais is underestimating uh Teravangian. Teravangian. Mm -hmm. but they're saying that he sows chaos do you think they know 
his connection to Zeth. I don't think so. Okay. And so Shallan had already sent her carriage ahead using Pattern's voice inside the carriage to tell the driver, I'm already in. When you get to this spot, stop, let me off, don't look, and I will pay you handsomely for your discretion. Well, um, something real bad happened. The coachman and his Parshendi um, porters were all murdered. Yeah, and burned. Yeah. To look like bandits. bandits. But Shalon's like, who would be stupid enough to believe that? We're so far from bandit territory. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was the ghost bloods or if it just happened to be a random attack. I, I don't think it's random. Yeah. yeah. So. And she's like, how could I have done this so nobody died? And listen, she's she's sad about this, but mm-hmm. she's not torn up about this. I or, think more clearly, she's not letting herself mm-hmm. be torn up about this. So I think pre-lesson Shalon would have flipped out at this. I mean, she killed her dad. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I mean, she's not exactly a reliable narrator. That's true. But she is a pretty intriguing character. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about rules of the game. Emily, give me a, give me an epigraph. All right. Chapter 55, the rules of the game. The considerable abilities of the Skybreakers for making such amounted, oh, sorry, the considerable abilities of the Skybreakers for making such amounted to an almost divine skill for which no specific surge or spren grants capacity. But, however the order came to such an aptitude, the fact of it was real and acknowledged even by their rivals. From Words of Radiance, chapter 28, page 3. Uh, Skybreakers are the justice people. Okay. So, they're making... We don't know, we need one more sentence before this. Okay. Because we don't know what a considerable, like, making such what. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We need one more sentence to get full whatever. But Skybreakers can make a lot of something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, it's time to go on a date to the zoo. Okay. (laughs) Um, So some people do thruple ship. Khaled and Shalon and Adolin. I could see that in I this don't, chapter. Yeah. I friendship them. Um, but it is very fun to see all three of them stuck together. I was in a about carriage. to say, yeah, like it was so fun to see their interactions where like they were literally there was no one else to distract them, no one else to like interrupt them. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. But um Adolin is being uh guarded by Kaladin today. Just Kaladin. Just Kaladin. And they have a little interlude, and 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 finally, Cal- or Adel is just like, "I'm so happy, it's you today." Love oh it. boy, you know. Um, but I love this because a carriage waited, pulled by two mean-looking horses. All horses looked mean with those two knowing eyes and sudden <laughs> movements. Poor hey, Kaladin. Who's driving the carriage? It's Wit. Wit's back. back. Oh, and uh, he's like, "Why did you lose my flute?" And uh, Kaladin's like, I don't know, because Kaladin was worried about the bridgeman in Sadius's camp. He wasn't worried about objects or belongings. Yeah. Um, I'm a soldier, not a musician. And Wit's like, if you knew the history of that flute, your brain would turn upside down. Yeah. Because I would shove you out of the carriage. <laughs> so I don't know if this is from a different world or what the significance is of this flute, but I'm sure Sigzil might be able to tell us. Yep. I think Wit knows about Kaladin being 
a windrunner because yeah. he's like, don't go flying off on me. And Kellen is like, oh, you know, wit said nonchalant, flying off in an angry tirade, that kind of thing. Where I'm like, listen, if you have to explain it, then you, you meant the other thing yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you want from me? Ah, so you're thinking, good, from you, my friend, I want one thing, a story. What kind of story? That is for you to decide. I hope it will be dynamic. If there's one thing I cannot stomach, it is boredom. Kindly avoid being dull. Does Kaladin tell him a story in this chapter? No, he does not. Maybe he'll tell him a story later. I hope so. I like Wit coming back. They're talking about the farming that's happening. So Barriel is setting up permanent farms here, figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Adolin then pokes out and sees Wit. And he goes, you! It's so funny. Kaladin's like, you! And Adolin's like, you! And then later Shallan's like, you! <laughs> and at that point, Wit says, yes, yes, people certainly are good at identifying me today. Perhaps I need to wear... And then what happened? So Kaladin has been worried ever since Tef said something about Shallan being an assassin. And he's worried that her safe hand is hiding poison pins or a knife or something. And so he's just determined to watch her very closely. Well, Shallan takes off running at wit and Kaladin's first thought is like, this is it. This is the assassination attempt I've been waiting for. And to knife, he's ready to go, but just a hug. Yeah, she like... Grabs Wit in an embrace, her head against his chest, her eyes squeezed shut, and <laughs> it freaks everybody out, including Wit. Including and I love seeing Wit so wrong footed. Yeah. Because we don't. Yeah. And it's it's for something as innocuous and innocent as a hug. Uh, he's raising an eyebrow at Wit, who looked completely flabbergasted. He stood with his arms at his side as if he didn't know what to do with them. And we remember Wit was the one who had talked to Shallan and told her, keep moving forward. Like, take the thorns out. The light will come. And Shallan's like, I always wanted to thank you, and I'm so sorry I never did. And, like, she just has so many, like, she's so grateful to him for everything he's done. And But everyone's, like, staring around. They're like, you hugged Wit. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that was possible. Like, ugh. <laughs> it was just such a fun, lighthearted scene and i just i thought it was so fun after adolin helps shallan in the carriage he turns to wit hands off she's <laughs> far too young for me child wit said that's right adolin said with a nod stick to women your own age wit grinned well that might be a little harder i think there's only one of those around these parts and she and i never did get along i'm assuming another world walker maybe maybe is it the night's friend Wit and the Night's Brand. That shipping. The them. Night Watcher is a very good guess. Thank you. It's wrong though, huh? It is wrong, but it is close. <laughs> Thank you. You completely on accident said the name of this character in our last episode. I d- I'm gonna go back and listen to it. Okay. Her, her name is a. It's not like a, a name. It's like a word. Oh. And you said the word, said and the I word. was like. Witchcraft. <laughs> All right. Um, try not to flirt with the girl, Wit whispered. This is to Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Young Adolin seems to be growing possessive. Or, what am I saying? Flirt with the girl, Kaladin. It might make the prince's eyes bulge. Kaladin snorted. She's light-eyed. So, Wit said, you people are too fixated on that. 
No offense, Kaladin whispered, but I'd sooner flirt with a chasm fiend. Boy does not have time for romance. I'm sure that could be arranged. You can use a good kiss! <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna check in with you on a shipping update. How are you feeling about your shaladolin? I'm feeling real good That's about nice. it. At least... Listen, I, I don't want to make any more guesses because I was just so good at this one. But like, I like the direction there romance is taking like mm -hmm. i think i would have been less enamored by it had she shown up and everyone would have been like "Ugh, i guess we have to get married but like they're getting to know each other yep. and yeah yep uh so they end up going to the menagerie um although adolin is you know someone's like i'll like, I don't mind going to another wine house, but that is, like, all we've been doing. And mm -hmm. Adolin's like, that's all we have. There's storming little to do here otherwise. No concerts, no art shows, no sculpture contests. And internally, Kaladin's like, is that really what you people spend your time on? <laughs> Almighty save you if you don't have sculpture contests to watch. And Shallan is like, let's go to the menagerie. Okay, listeners, I love going to the zoo and the aquarium, and to natural history museums. I love it. So me and Shalon, 100% on the same page here. <laughs> Even to the point of like, why didn't they put this fact on the plaque? Don't they know that <laughs> beavers have these glands in their butt? The, the audience, the public needs to know. <laughs> um, but I love this that they're going to a place that Shalon can shine. Yeah. Like, she knows what things are already, and she's ready to sketch stuff, and she's not afraid to reach. Okay, this part I was not on board with. Reach into the enclosure and touch the animals, which is, don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, she just grabs stuff. Look, as a child, definitely. I put my hand in every public fish pond there was. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. So, we learn the full story of Yenev, and Shalon is going through Brightless Eli's account, he and Gavilar spoke beforehand that, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Because they, they wanted to get rid of Yenev, and they couldn't. Legally, they wanted to get yeah. rid of him without, you know, making a fuss. So, Sadius does this incredible duel, like, raising the stakes of what he's laying on the outcome of the duel several times throughout the match. And then he defeats his opponent soundly, and like they previously agreed upon, Gavilar stands up and is like, Oh, there's this tradition of a boon. I will grant you a boon, anything you wish. And Sadius says, I want to fight Yenev. I think what he actually says is, I want Yenev's beating heart on the end of my shard blade. And that's when Yenev comes into the ring and Sadius kills him in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And we heard some of the story in the first book as Dalinar uses what happened to Yenev to threaten one of the other high princes. Mm -hmm. So they're hoping that... Adolin will make a spectacle during the fight against Relis. He will wow the crowd, earn a boon, and then demand a right of challenge to to Sadius. Yeah. And Kaladin was like, he'll never... Like, Sadius won't let himself be trapped like that. Mm -hmm. Here's something I like. Kaladin's part of the conversation. He's part yeah. of the plan. Yeah, because he starts asking questions. And, like, I think Adolin at one point looks really surprised that Kaladin's chiming in, but he's willing to... Fill him in on, on what he, his missing mm -hmm. knowledge gaps. Now, Kaladin can't quite get this because he's like, okay, but it's a game. This, like, this isn't I real. I loved it. It's a game. And Adolin's like, yes. And that's the thing. Kaladin was surprised that Adolin agrees with him. Mm -hmm. 
but it's a game that Sadius is playing. Mm-hmm. We gotta. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to jump back and talk about something. What was it? It was... How to be a part of the group. It was lowering your standards to do something you thought was bad before, but now you're okay with it. Anyway, I wanted to parallel it to Dalinar agreeing to use human-pulled bridges in the first book. Oh. But now I can't remember. It was something in Shallan's chapter. Sorry, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Shallan wrote this whole plan out, and she gave it to Adolin and says, give this to your aunt, and your father will know if this is actually a good idea. I loved that. I loved that she wasn't just like, here's what you should do. Do all this. But she's like, get, like... Get the blessing of, you know, your dad and aunt because it's going to affect them. Like, she's she's intelligent enough to know that. Yeah. And so, uh, because to do the exact same thing, they're going to need Elokar to stand up and grant the boon. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, like, I feel like if Dalinar even just told Elokar, do this thing... He would do it in such a way that he'd be like, wait, what line was I supposed to say again? Oh, Aiden, you know, line? <laughs> Uncle, line? <laughs> Dalinar has to put his hand like a Muppet. <laughs> no, I mean, Elokar's probably useful for at least that one thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, what are one of the, what are one of the creatures? The that white they... spine. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, last episode, which we just recorded before starting this, Emily's like, I hope that White Spine Uncaged is not about an actual White Spine <laughs> that's in a cage. And it looks like it is. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> why you'd be happy. Or am but I just a monster in a cage? It's not the most annoying thing that happened in this chapter. Uh, before we get to the absolute horrible thing at the end. Oh, I guess we have a few more pages to go. But, um... When they get back to the carriage, Wit is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And there is a man, a younger fellow in brown trousers and a white shirt, a cap on his head. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, the man said. He had an accent Callan didn't recognize. He paid me well, he did. Said exactly where I used to stand so he could sort places. I think it's still Wit. I think you're right. I think Wit <laughs> used magic and he changed his appearance. I don't think this is another person. I think the reason Kaladin doesn't... Uh, no, the accent is it's an off-world accent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that, that Wit left. Because they're asking, like, are you going to go back to the king? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're going around all the animals and stuff, and Shallan is sketching and having a great time. There's sky eels and a, and a bunch of water, and this is not a well-run zoo. Mm-hmm. This is not an ACA accredited <laughs> whatever. But they do get to see a chicken. They do. And Kaladin's like, this thing is so weird. It's only got shell on the very front of its face. Which is how Shallan described it at Merry Fest. Middle Fest. Middle Fest. Middle Fest. And Kaladin's like, what does this chicken do when a storm comes? It's not squishy enough to hide in the rocks. And it can't hide in the whole shell. Haha, yeah. jokes on you, Kaladin. Chickens don't have to worry about storms. Look at all these chickens. Look at all these chickens. <laughs> And he's, like, soaring on the wind. He keeps thinking about his flight. And Syl is like, you're almost ready, aren't you? And ready for what? Ready to tell Dalinar he's a radiant? And then Kaladin can reform the new knight's radiant? Stop teasing me. It can't happen now. 
know. He's not know. going to. Anyway, uh, there's a big kerfluffle. Calvin goes to check it out. Dalinar's here at the menagerie. He's trying to pay for entrance, and the guy who owns it is like, no, Bright Lord, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your presence is a grand blessing from the heralds upon my humble collection and your distinguished guest. Amaram, he wore a strange cloak, bright yellow gold with a black glyph on the back. Oath? Kaladin didn't recognize the shape. So it's, glyphs can be stylized to look like things. Remember, um, way back in Carbranth, Shalon was looking at glyphs stylized on signs to look like pictures of mm -hmm. what they sold. So okay. anyway, the double eye, he realized, symbol of... Uh, Dalinar was going to announce at the feast, but as Amaram insists on wearing the cloak. Because he's so stupid. I suppose it needs to be stated. Uh, under the king's direction, I have commanded the refounding of the Knights Radiant. Let it be spoken of in the camps. The ancient oaths are spoken again, and Bright Lord Amaram was. At my request, the first to speak them, the Knights Radiant have been reestablished, and he is at their head. No! Look at this new Yezrian we have. <sighs> he has the powers because he has a shard blade. I don't think it's because he has a sprint. Does he even have powers? I don't think he does. I don't think Dalinar knows the first thing about I what a Radiant Dalinar really is. Dalinar is making a huge misstep here. Mm -hmm. I mean, not in bringing back the Knight's Radiant, but in... Kaladin told him what he did. Yeah. Why is he... Why? Oh, Megan, I am so angry. I am so upset right now. I am yep. so... Ugh. So... Listen, if I were Kaladin... This alone would be enough to break my trust in Dalinar. Yeah. Like, I don't care that, I mean, he, he was honorable. He saved us from the Bridgman. Like, he's kept all of this, but how, mm, no. Because, mm -hmm. okay, here's, a, here's the thing. No, I don't want the thing. <laughs> Dalinar declaring the radiance like this reminds me of Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, standing in the middle of a parking lot. I declare bankruptcy! <laughs> Dalinar doesn't have a spren. Yeah. So, like, Dalinar doesn't know what the words actually mean. Yeah. He's just seen in his visions, speak again the ancient oaths, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Yeah. But the words without the intent are meaningless. It's the will and the word from the Bulgariot again. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, prophesy witch. Ugh. Kaladin is going to... Okay, several ways this could go. So they're at the menagerie. This there. has just been announced. Oh. The next chapter is called White's Fine Uncaged. Oh, here's the thing. Kaladin's going to have to use some of his powers to save the people there. And Dalinar's going to see you have the power. And Amaram's going to see that Kaladin really does have the power. And he's going to get all pissy about it. Because, once again, this lowly dark-eyed Bridgman is showing up a High Lord. But, oh. You should know the next reading is the very end of part three. Okay. <sighs> yeah, I think Kaladin's powers are going to be revealed. And that Dalinar is going to be stuck between, well, this was a very public thing. Amaram did diddly squat after I just announced this. He's embarrassed me. But I don't know that... Ugh. Kaladin's going to be outed. That's what I think. 
okay, what does that mean then? And so, okay, okay, Dalinar's like, you've used your powers. You've done a huge, great service. I was wrong. Be a knight radiant. And Kaladin will say, no. I'm going to go do my own thing. Dalinar has no power, authority over this. You can't just say you want to be <laughs> in charge. Turning his spear in his badge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, around this point, I think in the last book, like, Kaladin was planning to, like, escape into the Shattered Plains, and I wouldn't blame him if he actually left to the Shattered Plains. End of part three. Mm-hmm. Shallan steals the Soulcaster. Mm-hmm. End of part three, we see the truth of what happened the day that Amaram mm-hmm. uh, killed Kaladin and his men. Yeah. And so the, we ended on a horrible flashback for Kaladin, but in the modern times, Kaladin and the Bridgman had a nice stew night. So, <laughs> so <laughs> present Kaladin had a nice end of part three. So... We better talk about the heralds that showed up this week. I'm so mad. I'm so upset with Dalinar. Like, I'm hoping that he has reason behind this. Like, I'm hoping this is the way that he is bringing about Amaram's downfall. By putting him in a position that he can never fulfill. And therefore humiliate him. Because that, in turn, would humiliate Sadius. Humiliated. Yeah. Okay, so... Who's at who's at the start of fifty two into the sky? It is Yezrian and Shalash. All right, um, Yezrian's head of the Windrunners. Mm-hmm. Shalash is head of the Lightweavers. And this is a chapter with both Kaladin and Shalon. Yeah, like really using their powers to their full extent for the first time. Yeah, yeah, like successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter fifty three, perfection. Oh, this is one I don't. But ba- Balin, Batar, Batar. So, Batar is about being wise and careful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, Adolin being so careful and precise in his duel. And she's there twice because he's very, very careful. Yep, and he's very wise at the end by mm-hmm. saying, I'll fight you and whoever you bring. Mm-hmm. Smart move, Adolin. You know how to make a spectacle. Yeah. Chapter 54, Vale's Lesson. This is Ishi and Shalash. Yes! <laughs> so, uh, Shalash, artistry, and then uh, Ishar is about being pious and guiding. Mm. And she may need some guidance as so she's working her way through the ghost bloods. Yeah. <sighs> Chapter 55, the rules of the game. Wit and Shalash. And I, I think both of those are pretty pretty Self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So, next week... Emily, you are going to read White Spine Uncaged. Okay. Chapter 57, To Kill the Wind. And chapter 58, Never Again. All right. Um, so explain to me how this is going to work for the recording. We're doing a dragon steal. Are we only talking about the one chapter White Spine? No. No. We are going to try and talk about all three, mm-hmm. but we may leave we may leave off the third chapter never again. Mm-hmm. We may just talk about 56 and 57. This is a very short reading compared to what we've been doing. This mm-hmm. is only 40 pages. Okay. Because listeners, we only have an hour at the recording. Yeah. From 7 well 7 to 750. Mm-hmm. So, 
So what I'm thinking is, Emily, when you do read these chapters, if you could just record your reactions and then we'll put that as a supercut on the final episode, Emily will have pre-read these chapters before we sit down for our recording mm -hmm. and it's 7 p.m. on Monday. <laughs> or is it 7 p.m. on Tuesday? Monday. The 7 p.m. on Monday the 14th. And then we'll talk about it. <laughs> But, awesome. Uh, I got to get back to cleaning the house. You have to first pick the song for this week. Oh my gosh, I have the song. <laughs> I have the song and I checked if it was on Spotify. I am so excited. We are using the song Welcome to the Zoo. <laughs> from Putt Putt's Adventure. Putt Putt's Adventure. Putt Putt <laughs> saves the zoo. <laughs> Uh, it's the, I think it's actually called the topiary creatures. We are the topiary creatures. We're, We're very pleased to meet you, senors and senoritas, too. Ah! The animals we feature, we know and never eat you. We sing the song very sweet to you. Welcome to the zoo, zoo, zoo. With the kangaroos, roos, roos. And the tigers, too, too, too. Welcome to the zoo, zoo, zoo. And it's definitely on Spotify. So, so glad. You go on the <laughs> oh, listeners, I love you all so much. I know you're all excited to experience the end of part three with us. Emily, you, you had a couple emotional gut punches today, finding out about Helleran and mm -hmm. getting Amram in charge of everything. So no more gut punches, right? I'm all good for the rest of this book. Oh. oh no. Well, no. I have bad news. No, don't tell me. Maybe at least one more. No. <laughs> I'm sure the ending of part three isn't that strenuous. I mean, it's Pretty not like we've enough. been scrambling to get these recorded <laughs> so you can get to it right away. But, uh, spoiler light. Okay. Does someone die? This ch How is that spoiler light? <laughs> This reading has it all. My favorite and most hated moment of the whole series. Oh no! This the is whole my. Series. This is my. Your Tian's death. Oh, I oh. have not read this scene. Oh. Do I Since have the to first time I read the book. <laughs> okay. I am going to be reading it again for the oh, first time. Okay. There's a lot of it that I read and there's a little bit that I skip. So remember in the tower where you're like, my very, my favorite part of the book is when Kaladin speaks his idea, but my least favorite part of the book is when Tian dies. That's this That's for me. That's this for you. I, okay. This is why I'm so excited about it is I have big feelings, mm -hmm. positive and negative. Okay. Okay. But does someone die? I... Do you know what? Don't say it. Ray the f*** <laughs> I will Ray get the that <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Fine. I will. Emily, thank you so much for You're doing this so podcast with me. I have so much fun. Thank you for your patience when I go off on a long tear about philosophy and film adaptations of these books. <laughs> and I think you'll either have a great or terrible time with okay, the next reading. one of the two. 
But I gotta get back to cleaning the house. I gotta get back to packing. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Ready? Right. Wow, those kooky kids way back in November of 2022 didn't even know what was coming for me. Uh, hi, it's me, Megan. Thank you for listening to another episode. Tune in next week where, nope, tune in two weeks from now. I should have a calendar up. Tune in Thursday, March 16th when we will post a recording of our Dragonsteel live event, which was so much fun. Uh, and Emily finally read White Spider Uncaged. Oh my gosh, for the rush, we did it. Uh, but before that, tune in on Thursday, March 9th to hear our Roswell coverage. Because listeners, things are super picking up now in season two. You gotta tune into our Roswell coverage. Lots of stories, lots of jokes, lots of aliens. You'll love it. Special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for use of his song, A Passing Storm, in all of our intros and outros. Michael, we love this track. It brings me such good feelings every time I hear it now. Listeners, I hope February is treating you well. I have been absolutely deluged with rain and freezing cold in California. Honestly, it's been a little rude. (sighs) But March is here, and the year March is ever on. So, uh, do you know what? Have a good day. And I believe in you.